Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the weekly cooldown. It is Friday, September 14th. I know what day it is. Um, we are going to be talking to some great guests today. Um, we're going to be talking about some great topics today. Some really cool things are happening in the gaming world, of course. But before we begin, of course, I have some headlines for you. So let's get right down into it. The Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout Beta has launched for PS4 as of September 10th. If you are a PS4 player, then you already have played the beta. If you are an Xbox player or you are a PC player with early access privileges, then today, September 14th, is your day to begin playing the game. The game goes into open beta on PC on the 15th, and all betas end at 10 a.m. Pacific time on September 17th. I know that's a lot of numbers, just stay with me. So you will have a short time to play Call of Duty Spin on the Battle Royale mode. Square Enix has revealed a new RPG currently titled Project Prelude. The game is being produced by the former Tale series producer Hideo Baba and a new studio established under Square named Studio Istolia. Unfortunately, there is still very little uh, information about the game, as the trailer gives you very little information, aside from teasing what looks to be like a main character looking off in the distance. The art style looks very beholden to other 3D tale series games, but again, there's not much else to go on just yet, and there may be more information on the game during the Tokyo Game Show. In, in more cryptic Square Enix news, a new trailer for Left Alive has also been released. Unfortunately, again, these scenes shown are all in random pieces from different cutscenes spliced together with more random bits of dialogue that ultimately mean little to us as we do not understand what the game is about just yet. What little we do know is that there are three different protagonists and the trailer does seem to be somewhat clear about who those characters might be from the trailer. Much like the Project Pro, uh, Prelude game, many are expecting more information about the game to come out during the Tokyo Game Show. It is worth noting that though Steam has a 2018 release date, the trailer mentioned that the game would release in 2019. If you are a Hearthstone player, Blizzard is celebrating their Frozen Throne expansion that came to the game a little over a year ago. During the anniversary dubbed Days of the Frozen Throne, there will be a special event which will feature a new tavern brawl, a deal on card pack bundles, and a free golden happy ghoul card for everyone who logs in. The brawl features players playing as Death Knights, with decks that feature cards from the Knights of the Frozen Throne packs. There will also be le new legendary quests to complete, and the bundle called Bundle Up will include 30 Knights of the Frozen Realm, or excuse me, Knights of the Frozen Throne card packs for $20 if you feel like tossing some money around. Uh, the event will run from September 19th to the 23rd. And finally, we are slowly starting to see some news about Overwatch League rosters, managers, and coaches coming up in the upcoming season. Eight new teams will be coming into the second season to represent Hangzhou. I might be butchering these. Chengdu, Guangzhou, uh, Atlanta, which I will not butcher, Washington, D.C., Paris, Toronto, and Vancouver. Although an official start date for the season has not yet been announced, Twitter has been abuzz with news. 
uh, some of the latest, including a dispelling of rumors that there will be no changes to colors to any existing teams in season two. So no, no changes to any colors of existing teams. Um, and that the DC team has signed Wizard Hayong and as a head coach and Janice as a main tank. And those are the headlines for you today. Of course, once again, you are listening to the weekly cooldown. I am Kami JC, your host, and uh, it's time to jumpstart the real show. What you come here for, as always, this is a show where we get to know the news and we get to know our guests. And I have some pretty good guests today. Um, first off, let's say hello to my good friend who always comes in clutch. His name is Paul. I don't know if I would call myself clutch. Just because I'm you from do. Houston doesn't make me a clutch gamer. Well, I mean, you you, you come around for me. You're clutch a good guy. City! <laughs> um, how's it been? How you go? How's how's it going? Honestly, it's been going great. I, I started a new job about a month ago, and I've been really settling into that. Uh, I don't really want to nice. talk about the the job too much because it's my day off. But it's it's been a sure. nice job. Pays a lot better than previous jobs I've had, so I'm feeling stable for the first time in a really long time. So that's been very nice. Very, very, very good. Um, so as always, what have you been playing this week? Oh God, what have I been playing? I've been playing. <laughs> This is this is kind of embarrassing to admit. In the past month, I've actually been playing a lot of both Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. Because uh, <laughs> I call those out. bro games. Listen, hear those me are out. Games bros play. Hear me <laughs> out. Hear me out. They're games I can sneak into my breaks, and they're games that I can play oh. while I'm at work, so I don't have to like lug around my other consoles to like play them at work. So they're really you know good to sneak good in point. during lunch. Uh, you can play. Yeah. You can play Clash of Clans in 15 minute bursts and. Clash Royale, I can just play like during bathroom breaks. Mm-hmm. That's actually not a bad point because I definitely used to play of uh, like Clash of Clans on like breaks back when I was working at a place where I had like oh yeah I'm tons of breaks. Clash of Clans is a bro game. It is a bro game though. I think it's a bro game. You're not wrong. You're not. Um, well, maybe you can help me, uh, talk to our next guest, um, someone I've wanted to have on for quite a while. Um, I'm actually going to, however, let him introduce himself and put him on the spot. So please go ahead. My name is Tumelo. I'm a composer and sound designer for video games and, um, a composer of my own albums as well. So succinct, so easy. I love it. Every every time I ask someone to introduce themselves, they're like, "Uh, I'm a I guy. Just, I, I did a thing. Let me post a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I do a thing. <laughs> I do it. I do art and stuff and fuck around. Yeah, that's how <laughs> no, you're supposed just, to introduce I'm just, yourself. I'm just, I'm just kind of a free spirit, you know. I just kind of do whatever. No hippies on my show. <laughs> I got some news for you, Connie. <laughs> oh no, hippies! <laughs> Have you seen um, my hair? Come on. I guess. Um, so, Mello, what have you been playing this week? I played Donut County and a little bit of Okami HD. Ooh. I've got what a lot you, of friends talking about Okami, man. This looks like fun. I love that game, and I haven't even played it yet. <laughs> I just love the aesthetic and the appeal and the cell shading. It looks good. It just looks so good. Um, what do you think of... what is What is Donut Craze? What's that? Uh, Donut County is Donut County. I heard that wrong. <laughs> it is a a puzzle game 
based on consuming objects into a hole that grows larger as you consume more objects. And the order in which you consume objects, the type of objects you consume, contributes to the puzzle. Like, you can consume some fire and use it to light things. Hmm. Um, Your hole can get filled up with water and you have to drain it. Um, But it's, it's centered around, like, this... This very cute raccoon um, named BK, which I think stands for Basura King. Trash King. Um, But I'm not sure about that. Um, And the raccoon is using an app that they think is a game. But it might be be something more. And it might be causing a little trouble in in Donut County. Isn't the soundtrack in that game like a complete bop too? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about the composer. They seem like a person who's like not out on social media much or um, usually works outside of games. But they've created like a a good hybrid of nice acoustic sounds and like really hip hoppy drum machines for the yeah. soundtrack. And it's like a really charming combination that works well. Um, I think it's one of my favorite soundtracks of the year for sure. Nice. Um, now we are actually going to take a slight turn because as I said, uh, off mic that I'm now going to say on mic, I consider you a high profile guest and as a, delay, delay, as a, (laughs) as a high profile guest, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about what you do as a composer, as a video game composer, and as someone who has put out some albums, um, so I guess my first question is, how did you get into what you do now? Well, amazingly, um, you know, I made music since I was 13 years old. Nice. Just enjoying, enjoying putting samples together and uh, making electronic music after hearing the Matrix soundtrack. That was what did it. It was a very good compilation of like electronic artists from late 90s to early 2000s who were prominent in that era. And... Um, a lot of that stuff kind of led me on to want to know what, how these songs are being made. Same with hip hop, just the samples and everything fascinated me. So I went with that thinking that like, oh, maybe there is a route into music for me. Um, and also loved video games for, for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't realize that I could put the two together or ever consider it until I read some articles about game composition being a promising path. And this was like after college, wasn't using my degree at all, just working whatever jobs, trying to find my way into TV production. I had this album, this remix album that hit, um, went pretty wide and it was on like front page of Reddit and stuff. Got a lot of, um, <laughs> naturally, I want to say notoriety because mm-hmm. remixes are fiendish by nature. Mm-hmm. Um and people thought it was really fun and someone, you know, believed in me enough to have me helm a game soundtrack. So I did my first game, uh, read only memories, stayed with that for a few years, got other games on the side. So now I've been in Celeste, Ghosts of Miami, um, doing the entire soundtrack for Cerebral and wow. a lot of appearances in games this year, regular human basketball, uh, worked on a mobile game called squat bot. Um, and I have like a cute point and click coming up that I'm doing the full soundtrack for called Later Alligator um, with the <laughs> small boo animation studio. That's um, so cute. <laughs> it's, 
Game. game. It's I'm funny because I think it was only one, gonna yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean it's to only one piece of art available to the uh, the public right now, but it's a very cute alligator. <laughs> it's, it's, they have that squiggly art style, you know, oh, like I the Ed and Eddie. Yeah, they got mm-hmm. that going on. It's funny because I remember when I was a teenager and I would like listen to music and soundtracks and stuff. It was it seemed really impenetrable to me. Like I I couldn't I couldn't con con what's the word I'm looking for conceptualize somebody actually like the fact that somebody actually had to make that music because because all you see is the finished product you never see the the Mm -hmm. hundreds of hours that go into all those different songs was was there any particular moment that made you realize wait a minute i can actually do this like there's a moment where you sat down and saw the programs and went oh hold on i'm capable of this no it sucked like it was really hard um (laughs) so i you know there was a long time and every artist goes through right, this right, I think right. but there's this moment where you switch over to like okay I want money now mm-hmm. uh, fuck you pay me I want money now and mm-hmm. can I curse on this podcast I certainly hope so oh absolutely god I okay. hope, I hope um, so <laughs> and uh, so it got to that point but even though I had like the um, the gumption to start asking I wasn't ready with like knowing what music was worth charging for mm. i had this mm. big complex about it like oh is this worth money this doesn't seem as good as this thing that i did for free is this you know um and it took a while to get over that and even beyond that when i started composing for a game i started worrying about what was okay for the game what would be too like disruptive with a bunch of change-ups what would fit nicely in the background and uh then taking directions from a client for mm. the first time was terrifying. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it was a whole different thing that I had never had to do before. Because before that it had just been freedom and a little bit of like what I thought people wanted to hear. Uh, but once I like crystallized what they wanted, you know, got some concrete examples, increased my communication skills so that theirs would increase in response um, because it was their first time talking to a composer as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's first time on that team it was real right. rough uh, and once the communication got there started hearing concrete examples and found some stuff in my repertoire that would match with it um, from there I started to take it a little easier and it was still a long process before I made anything that I th- thought was suitable for the game but once I started I just kept rolling and I've never literally never stopped just been composing stuff every year I, now. I can see that. I'm like, I'm looking at your Bandcamp right now. You've got like, what, 25 releases on here, at least. Yeah. yeah, I'm very serious. I'm very serious about about music. Like, as soon as I want to say that there's like two or three albums on there that were out before I got noticed mm. on a major scale. But like, I've been waiting all my life for ah been waiting my. <laughs> whole life yeah Kanye thing um i've <laughs> i've been waiting um for like people to notice and then i just pop so i have yeah i've made like 23 albums in the last four or five years um and i'm trying wow. to make like three a year right now yeah. if not more i'm, I'm gonna give, my, I'm gonna give myself a chance to year. fanboy a little bit 
Memories of Tokyo is a <laughs> fucking fantastic album, dude. Yes, and also is. so is Return of the Soul. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't listened to it as much as I've listened to Memories of Tokyo Toe, but they're both they're, your last two releases are so fucking solid. Like Memories of Tokyo Toe, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure if you were trying to emulate necessarily the whole soundtrack of Jet Set Radio or just the Hideki Naganuma track specifically. But either way, you really capture the flavor of what you were going for, and it's so fucking tight. Paul's fanboy segment. I can't really do rock stuff, so I didn't touch that stuff as much. But um, yeah, I think I just had a lot of confidence this year and had some like personal failures and setbacks in 2017. I was just so fucking mad and like powered up. Honestly, I feel like a lot of the last, uh, you know, year I would say have been like a like a Rocky Four montage Mm. or some shit. Oh. Well, I'm just every day, just waking <laughs> up, just being so excited to do this shit. Yes, that's awesome. And I know this absolutely—it absolutely pales in comparison. But this whole chat has reminded me of when I was maybe about seven or eight, maybe a little older, and uh, my brother was heavy into trying to become a rapper, and so I was like, "Ooh, I want to help too." And I don't remember how we got it, but there was a copy of Fruity Loops on our computer and I would sit on it like all day and make these really dumb beats, honestly, so stupid. And I would say, okay, here's one, now rap on it. And he would look at me like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, get away. <laughs> but it, it it still like brings a tear to my eye every time I uh, see people, especially because I, I like audio, hence the podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it always just brings a tear to my eye when I see like people working on music and stuff. Um, it reminds me of a, a, a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that all being said, we now know a little bit about Mello. And if you want to know more, I suggest you follow him on Twitter. We'll get to that later. Um, so... Without further ado, let's jump into the gaming news this week. To This week, of course, with Mellow here, we are going to be talking about music and indie video games and uh, some other really cool news that came out that I decided to shove at Paul and Mellow. Uh, we're going to start with Square Enix's bold-ass move <laughs> to um, <laughs> discontinue physical and digital sales of the JRPG The Last Remnant on PC and then suddenly say, okay, but guess what? Now you can buy it uh, for this cool HD remake now. Uh, how about that? Um, I just thought it was a absolute major power move. <laughs> I mean, it's basically what From did with Dark Souls, right? From, from, software, from software, you can't buy the original Dark Souls anymore. You can only buy Dark Souls Remastered. That's- this is a, I feel like this is a little different yeah, I think so. because they like delisted it completely. Yeah, this grossed it, me out. Honestly, I know it's like a, uh, I don't feel like good about it. Either. I agree, actually. I, I, because from what I heard, so there was a big panic. They got that press bump of like, mm-hmm. oh, Last Remnant is leaving for some reason. Like everyone was freaking out right. because the PC version is the version of that game to get. Apparently, it fixed a lot of issues with the 360, and so it's like for considering like you know, there's already a lot of anxiety about archiving games mm-hmm. because of what's been happening to ROM sites. Well, here's mm-hmm. this pristine version of the last remnant that's just been taken out of commission. Uh, everyone's freaking out about that, and now they do this, and it's just like the clearest move in the world. It just, it just yeah, it's just gross. it's felt 
it felt so wrong to, I, I think I woke up to that news. I was like, why would you guys do this? Like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't resonate well, especially with someone who grew up during the time where the last, uh, uh wanting the last resident, re- remnant, I can't there speak. There you go. You got there eventually. <laughs> um, wanting the last remnant when it first came out, couldn't get it when it first came out, got it on PC much later and enjoyed the hell out of it. And I still need to finish it really, but I mean, and then you just kind of turn around for all those people like me and just say, no, you can't have this one, but this shiny one you can have instead. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's always going to feel weird to me, especially if it's um, if it's an older game that's maybe a little harder to get a hold of. Like, mm. uh, th- this, this is kind of a weird example, but uh, Nights into Dreams. Nights into Dreams is a really popular, well, popular. It wasn't very popular, but it was a it was a game that was that had a very strong cult fan base back in 1995, including myself. I was part of that cult fan base, mm-hmm. and uh, in about 2005 or so, I want to say Sega released a remake of it for the PS2. But there's no way, as far as I know, to actually get a hold of the original Nights into Dreams without getting like you have to get a sega saturn and you have to buy the game and it's like 60 bucks on amazon and ebay but uh i feel i feel like i feel like games that are remade with no way to access the original always feels off to me somehow yeah is the remake of knights of the dreams is that what they put on the psn or is that yes okay yeah any any version of knights into dreams you've seen that isn't on the original sega saturn is the remake from the ps2 like they've wow. made they've made HD remasters of that remake, but everything everything you've seen that isn't on the Sega Saturn itself is the remake. And <laughs> I personally consider it an inferior version of the game for several reasons that I'm not going to get into right now because that could be its own episode. But it, Bummer. I wish the original version was accessible somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, and there's been some anxiety today about the topic of like how little we own digital things. Mm-hmm. There was a tweet going around about how Apple has just randomly pulled some movies from uh, the digital repository and issued like, Hey, here's two free rentals or whatever in exchange right. for us taking away these things you owned. Oh, you know, that's, it's, it's been a weird day for this specific yeah. topic. Yeah. That's, I don't know that in itself is very, cause, cause it's not like I don't have that version on PC of the last remnant anymore. Right. Um, but to take away something someone already owns and then just try and, you know, reverse it, that's that's even worse. Well that's that's yeah. the trick though, right? You don't really own it. You have a license to watch it. It's it's more like it's more like a really long term rental until the service shuts down. Like mm-hmm. like if something happens and Steam just collapses one day, we don't have any of those games anymore. They just go away. It's not like good we point. have them on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of talk about how Steam is a stable service and how it's it's gonna be fine. <laughs> Yeah. Who's gonna who's to say Valve is still gonna be around twenty years from now? There's no there's no telling. Like Sega used to be a, a fucking powerhouse in the console oh, yeah. business for like ten years, and then they flopped on the Sega Dreamcast and suddenly they're not making consoles anymore. For for a long time, it seemed like Sega was gonna entirely go into insolvency and be sold to another company. It didn't quite get to that point. Thankfully they kind of bounced back, but they're still not in the console market. Hmm. That makes me want to go buy a PS4 right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have no consoles. All I have is this goddamn computer. And I'm like, oh, hmm, Paul just made me want to go support some serious capitalism. 
Man, if you really want a good series on like game preservation, uh, the guy that made Freeman's Mind, Accursed Farms, uh, whatever Ross is, Ross is his name, he uh, he talks about video game preservation and issues around it all the time. Just hmm. to, just like he's got he's got a playlist for it, I think. But if he doesn't, there's just watch Ross's Game Dungeon. Every once in a while, he'll talk about newer games that are like online only that are dying all the time. He like oh, yeah. like uh, like there was there was a Spore spinoff that came out back in like 2011 that was an online only game and that game only lasted like six months and you can't play it anymore you can't access it there's no way to play it and there's there's dozens and hundreds of online only games that you can't play just because the servers got taken down like gigantic (laughs) oh excuse me gigantic was a fantastic moba third person shooter that was really well polished had a really strong art style there was a lot to it the only thing is it didn't make enough money for the company to keep it going and it was a multiplayer game so they shut Mm -hmm. the servers down this fantastic world with this fantastic art you can't access it anymore it's gone it's just done and that sucks. And I, 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 I feel I feel really strongly about this kind of stuff. I don't know if you can well, tell. Sure, sure. No, of course. Uh, yeah, it'll probably you know it's going to be on PS4 first, uh, coming back, mm. and right. they'll probably eventually put it on PC and the Xbox One. But like, you're not going to get that for free. Right. <laughs> you have to pay for it again. Yeah. Well. That's a damn shame. And uh, I think it's kind of a, a fault of uh, AAA publishers, too, that, you know, they're always trying to look for, at least it feels like they're always trying to look for where they can make their next revenue sale, part, partly and if not wholly because of of uh, what we said, what you said, Paul, about Sega, you know, being a giant one minute and then absolutely flopping the next i doubt that you'll flop because of one game sale but you know it, it definitely might uh be a, a crippling blow oh, if mean, you if you don't jump on it right away in all fairness it was a series of failures that led to them pulling out of the console market not a single thing they also fucked up the sega saturn the genesis was their only real successful console but- i liked the dreamcast I don't oh, know what everyone else is talking about <laughs> the, the dreamcast was great they just fucking sucked at marketing it oh i guess Maybe that was it. Yeah, I can't really, I can't really remember like a good Sega Dreamcast like ad. Ooh, I wasn't sure I was gonna be able to work myself up into a rant today. I'm kind of impressed. You did it. <laughs> Round of a fucking applause. Okay. Um. So, uh, sliding away from the AAA publishers, we're going to talk about indie games a little bit. Um. So, in particular, I've just been noticing indie games and indie publishers doing really good stuff lately. Um, .mu4 in in particular, um, I am like hoping, dreaming, wishing that I can get someone from .mu to come and talk to me at some point because uh, Streets of Rage is my most favorite game ever. Um, Maybe close second to like Resident Evil and Metal Gear, but like, I grew up playing Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3 with my brother. Um, I have absolute fond memories of it. And to see this trailer for Streets of Rage 4, and not only just like a, ooh, it's coming trailer, but also like a here's some gameplay trailer, and to see it look like so closely to like a high-res version of the original, it I cried at work. I did. And Aww. 
it, it it was it was so precious i loved i loved seeing it and the music was amazing in it and if uh i am hoping that uh still that we get some kind of maybe high res uh or remixed versions of some of the older streets of rage songs um in particular streets of rage 2 i think had the best uh soundtrack but um you know i don't i don't know much about that um so I, I don't know what what do you guys think about indie games lately? I really <laughs> um, don't. Ha- you, you go ahead, Mel. I've talked a bunch. <laughs> in, in in general, um, I think that indie is a space where people can uh, do like what they love from games, but bring it around personally. Uh, you're seeing well, we've already seen a lot of like NES and Super Nintendo and Genesis classics paid some sort of homage to with like Freedom Planet uh, and, you know, I guess just straight up Sonic Mania Mm -hmm. um, showing love to like the Genesis Sonic games. You have like Earthbound doing reflections in like Undertale and other games. Um, So you have in Metroid, Axiom Verge, so you have we've gone through the round of like the eight bit and sixteen bit odes, and now we're getting into like people doing lo fi PlayStation stuff, polygons, mm. uh, stuff like a hat in time, just bringing back in sixty four platformers. Um, so in general, I think indie games are making sure that there's still a space for like when people say, "Oh, I wish games were just simple and, and good again." I think, I think generally there's more experiences available for everyone across the board. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely saw that even uh, uh, last year with uh, uh, C- Cuphead, even Cuphead was indie, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Am I remembering this right? Yes. <laughs> um, and it, it sold what, like a million in a, in a couple weeks or less. Um, not, I think not only to your point, is it uh, keeping these spaces where we can still, kind of have our nostalgia trips and uh, keep things simple, but also it, it shows that we, we want it. And like it, it, anyone who says that they don't want it is probably lying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I think about in the past couple of years, there's, I think, I feel like there's been like almost like a third wave of independent games. I just think yeah. about how, how like intensely popular undertale got, out of nowhere right. and like and like the thing that blows my mind about undertale and i and i'm gonna i'm gonna state for the record i have a little bit of involvement not in undertale itself but in the community around it uh mm-hmm. undertale is very based at least in part in the beginnings or the the general realm of homestuck and it's it's really interesting to have seen undertale blown up out of nowhere because toby fox was a musician who worked on homestuck for a very long period of time and whenever he started making Undertale, it started as a Kickstarter game. And he made like he made a pretty modest amount of money, like twenty thousand dollars for something or something like that on his Kickstarter. It took about three years to make. And when it came out, it did okay for about two months. It was a it was a, a moderately popular game. It was like, okay, this is this is a nice little release and everybody's kind of enjoying it. And then like out of nowhere, like two or three months after it came out, it just went nuclear. And suddenly yeah. everybody was playing it and everybody was talking about it. And it feels like it was like this independent game that just came out of nowhere and just blew up the world and like showed everybody what a simple independent game can look like again. Cause they're, mm-hmm. they're, I feel, I feel like at that point things have been waning a little bit, but then undertale shows up and it's just like, 
independent games can be simple and nice and that's okay. And I think that's inspired a lot of other people to try and make stuff like that. Not to say that people wouldn't have necessarily made stuff like that anyway, but I think maybe there's more games because of that. Sure. Um, I kind of attribute some of that to like Stardew Valley too. Yeah. Things like, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about some of the like quote unquote success stories though. Um, oh yeah. Because for example, you mentioned Cuphead and like we, we know by now the story behind Cuphead because like people were shouting it from the rafters of like these people mortgaged and remortgaged their houses and absolutely tons of debt. And and it's a horrible thing to do. Right. Um, And it's a horrible thing to like broadcast is like, this is what you have to do to make an indie game because you know, the Stardew Valley developer, worked eight hour days and did it in his spare time very um very steadily over right. a period of time there are responsible ways to do them and those get overshadowed by like these huge success stories and you can you can risk it all and get a million bucks or whatever right that's yeah. a good point no i i agree it, it's it's um there, there there is a dark side to it definitely uh, the promise of great wealth through independent games which I feel like is way overstated. A, f- a few games blow up and make a, f- a fuckload of money, and that gets people excited. I I feel like the people who who get inspiration from these mega popular games for the right reasons, like realizing that their their artistic vision can be realized, and there might there might be a market for it. Those are the people that I would want to see making games and being inspired right. by them. The people who see Undertale blow up and go. Jesus Christ, I can make $5 million drawing furries. They're like, they're, they're not the kind of people that I want to see jumping into the market and like throwing away their whole lives to, to make a game and maybe get rich off of it. That's, I, I, I wouldn't, I, if, if, if that was the inspiration for, for how white people started making games, I would be deeply concerned. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Cause I definitely see more people who just want to make video games. Just, for for even if they join a triple a team they're just like i'm doing it look mom <laughs> no hands or maybe all hands i'm working at arcane studios i'm making prey and i'm great <laughs> you know um, that i delivered food to arcane studios one time wait did you <laughs> no i don't oh, i didn't I, I i'm sorry that's like a running joke for myself and i can't believe i haven't brought it up on the podcast yeah no i just like mentioning every once in a while i delivered catering to uh, arcane studios one time and they gave me like a prey coffee mug and stuff it was really cool <laughs> was it a I, what was oh no no it, it definitely was it definitely was i died but uh no it was funny because I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and step off and tell this story because it's really good uh so essentially i just delivered them a bunch <laughs> of like barbecue or something i can't remember what the food was exactly and i delivered it into a design meeting and that was just like all right i promise i won't look at the blackboard and everything as a joke and they were just like yeah all right just just make sure you don't tell anyone what you saw it was all a bunch of numbers and arbitrary stuff that i couldn't in- interpret one way or the other but uh, mm-hmm. as I left the room, I said, by the way, thanks for making Dishonored. <laughs> and the whole room simultaneously went, aww. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> which, which, was, which was adorable, but also made me realize how thankless game development must be, that oh, I got that kind of reaction yeah. just for showing a basic level of gratitude for their for their hard work. Yeah, oh. especially the Dishonored series. Yeah. I like Dishonored. <laughs> yeah, the, um, like the immersive sim has has taken taken like a hard mm-hmm. had a hard time yeah i, guess. I suppose so 
Yeah, yeah but right. but as but as I was leaving the office, they uh they had the secretary run after me like, hey hey hold on, uh, some of the developers they want to give you some goodies as I <laughs> head out, and uh, they gave me a coffee mug, some temporary tattoos, <laughs> some some like some, like some like art mini art posters, and uh, they gave me a a dishonored themed tarot card set. <laughs> oh, oh my god, temporary <laughs> tattoos is killing me because it's. It's like you were someone's like five year old son, and they're like, "Oh, you like our <laughs> video games? Here's a little temporary tattoo for oh, you." Oh yeah, it was like, all just like, it was all just like a bunch of con merch they had sitting in a in a closet somewhere. But they were like, "Please take all this stuff. We're so happy that you came and delivered food to us." Oh, that's adorable. Also, they tipped like uh, forty bucks. That's good. It was it good? Oh, I mean, it was a catering order, so yeah, that was about what I expected. Oh, okay. Well, good, good, good. Oh, I, I'm happy to hear these cute stories. <sighs> okay, um, so what do we think about uh, Lethal League Blaze? So um, I spoke about this last week on this podcast. I actually randomly picked up Lethal League again. I was just looking through Steam like, man, I want to play something, and I just decided to do some solo on Lethal League. Um, I remember dropping it a little because there wasn't much of an online community and my friends weren't really coming just to have random matches with me anymore. So I took a little hiatus, but I decided to come back to it. And then not a couple days later, I see news about Lethal League Blaze after speaking about it on the podcast. And I was like, thank God, because I needed some news about this game. Um, So now we know that Lethal League Blaze will launch on Steam on the 24th of October and that P, uh, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch versions have been announced, but there's no specific date other than they will come out in the spring. Uh, Kami Jace, I think you missed a very important part of this news. What's this? Fucking Hideki Naganua made a track for the game, dude! Oh, I did miss that. <laughs> oh man, you didn't see it? Yeah, the Lethal League Blaze trailer. Oh wow, you know... I don't have my glasses. Oh yeah, on. But at least the <laughs> oh, no. has, has a fucking Hideki Naganuma original Hideki Naganuma track in it, just for the game. And there's a, and there's a character That's in the right. game that they showed that is very clearly heavily inspired by Jet Set Radio. Right. Yes, I did get that. I didn't ah. want to be the one to bring it up because I wasn't sure, but I totally understood that part. Um, I didn't. I did not get the Hideki Hideki part though. I didn't see yeah. that. The thing with. Mm-hmm. So I played the original Lethal League, and I thought it was uh, like a really cool game. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have that much replay value for me, and it might be because I never played it in a party environment. I was just playing single player way after it was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this one, I'm definitely going to like support it on the Switch or PS4. Um, and it, it's a it is a little frustrating. I'm going to give money no matter what, but it is uh, a little frustrating that you see this game that is. A hundred percent to me, nailing the style of Jet Set Radio from the art direction to the shading to mm-hmm. the depth of the levels, especially with their new 3D, um, I guess, mm. res up of the whole thing. That they're nailing it. Like the models look so good, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily the game right. that I want to play. If that makes sense, like no. I, would, I would want to explore this world, not just be on this two D plane inside of it. Mello, I'm gonna be honest um, with you. This game gets fucking intense at parties. It oh, it does it hype. <laughs> it really does. Um, mm-hmm. but I definitely agree. I always thought that games like this could benefit from the kind of 
Xenoverse formula where you are you still have the fighting going on in the game, but you can also you know like run around and do quests or mm-hmm. you know whatever you uh, whatever the the game has you do. Um, I I guess they just really want this kind of weird. 2.5d fighter thing going on which i guess is fine i mean lethal league is a is a great game in its own right um but i i totally understand it not being like that kind of jet set radio uh, uh experience that comes with looking like and feeling like and sounding like jet set radio yeah i think they'll they'll eventually just finally do it uh once they get enough support this looks to me like something we've been seeing. Um, it's kind of like a weird safe indie sequel. Okay. Um, you know, it's their chance to hit some big platforms and do like, hey, here's the essentially revamped version of Lethal League, um, like Lethal League 1.5 almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same way that Spelunky 2 is a thing, uh, that Risk of Rain 2 is a thing. Right. It's like, we're going to continue this successful thing with a few twists but not like entirely throw it out um and start a new thing and i think maybe uh this one will do well enough for them to do something all new next time maybe but yeah with with that hideki naganuma track and this visual style i'm gonna be there um probably when it comes out on consoles next year i'm really excited about all this Mm -hmm. that track is very oh yeah no it's it's prime Mm. It really frustrates me that you know there's been years where no one has hired him um because it's clear that he has not lost any of his oh, touch yeah. you know since making this revolutionary game soundtrack in the 90s he still has it and he has it better in my opinion It's funny cuz like there's mm-hmm. like the, I can there's a few different games now in the past couple of years that have hired him for single tracks which makes me very happy yeah. and I think that's just going to increasingly become a trend it's just like and also we hired Hideki Naganuma to make a track and it's a banger Yeah Yeah I think people are going to realize like oh this guy's still got yep. it Uh but the thing that, one thing that like I might actually ask him about this um is like why don't you make albums you know, it's a little weird. Yeah. Um, of, and it, I know I don't expect people to make music like I do, like churn right. it out. Um, but like waiting for someone to hire you is a little strange. It feels like you could be very profitable if you just started making like not just at radio like I have. Mm-hmm. I have a theory. So I'm curious about I have that. A theory Not about that I want the competition. No, right? I, obviously, I don't know Hideki Naganuma personally. I, this is purely just speculating. Maybe he's the kind of person who feels like he can't make music without a definitive purpose. Like, it has to go to something. It can't just be music for the sake of music. Hmm. I know a few people hmm. like I know Maybe. a few people like that. But, again, that's, that's it's raw possible. speculation. I don't, I don't know him as a person. Hmm. Uh, it seems... Uh, yeah, I, he has. He's a very uh, like unique person. Hmm. He doesn't want to be so much in the spotlight. He doesn't consider his. He's like really glad people like his work, but I don't know if he considers it to be himself to be like one of the music greats the way that I consider. Right. It. Um. Yeah. So he he's very quiet about it. It's possible that he has like other work that he does that he doesn't really talk about because he doesn't think people want to hear about it or whatever. And he just kind of does this whenever he's called upon. I'm not sure how it goes, but 
he's he's much more like secluded mm. than uh than other composers and musicians in general but either way his work is something else and i'm glad he's around yeah every yeah. time someone hires him you really have bop now this actually answers one of the questions a i think listener sent in his name he uh he is twitchy tyrant on twitter okay. uh he's he said what are your thoughts on the new lethal league sequel and the new trailer so i think we kind of got that out there yeah, um however we did have another question uh from at cat boss yo Kaneko, what's says, up man and it just says at paul's rock and twit hey what the fuck what's that about <laughs> Oh, he's just—he's <laughs> just surprised by the fact that we have Mello on the podcast. He's a fan. Oh. Of <laughs> I mean, I'll be on podcasts. I don't know. Always have the time, but like, as long as I'm not doing more than one, two a month, oh, I'm doing sure. exactly two this month. Um, I'll be on podcasts. No, that That's was so- literally just Kaneko going, "What the fuck? How did you get Mello on a oh, podcast?" Very funny. Um, I just thought we would read that on air for. Good for them. Well, that's my answer. I'll be on podcast. <laughs> Very good. Um, glad I could get you on mine. Now, um, I think we're about to wrap up on indie games. Um, I did kind of want to talk about Valve's uh, approving of this adult game on Steam for the first time. <laughs> uh, and by adult game, I mean like there's like. Actual serious nudity in it. Oh yeah, we got titties on Steam now, finally. Yeah, there's titties on Steam. Um, And again, it feeds into the indie narrative. I might talk about this later with some other people um, in regards to how adult games or Edo gay or sex games, whatever you want to call them, how those fit into the kind of like gaming zeitgeist. But what do you guys think about this so far? So I talked to a friend of mine today about this because I... I'm kind of like boycotting Steam, actually. Oh. So I was very upset with the way that they teased around this shit mm-hmm. uh, for, for like the years so far. Uh, so I haven't used it in a while. And a friend of mine today was like browsing the new Tomb Raider game page. And it prompted her to like, hey, are you okay with seeing this kind of content? And while you're here, can you answer this question about seeing um, adult content? And that's the way that you opt in to seeing it. Okay. And I was, when I was reading this in the show notes i was like oh this opt-in thing sucks it's just going to keep these games from being discovered but it does seem like they're popping it up and making it pretty visible right and i think my only issue um with like adult content being censored in games is that platforms like twitch and steam and probably other platforms have just been really inconsistent to the point where sometimes it seemed like they were trying to keep certain adult content out, mm-hmm. but, but uh, others in. Mm-hmm. Like uh, developer Robert Yane uh, has often talked about his games like being impossible to stream on Twitch or to be on Steam because they are like overtly pornographic and uh, gay. I guess is right. the only word for ah. it. He makes the gayest games that I know, and it's very hard for him to show them or like sell them or anything. Please show me the uh, games. Uh, just look up Robert Yang, Robert and you will find them. Um, it's like a yeah. right Radiator Yang on Itch.io? <laughs> yep. Hey, I'm going to yep. shoot you. He started with, I believe he started with Half-Life mods, 
and got into making his own games through that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like this nightmare situation of these platforms saying like, Hey, no adult content, but then like allowing certain scenes from other games. Like there's a scene in, uh, the expanded DLC for out outlast that involves male genitalia. There's a few more, um, but in like an extremely horrible, violent way. Whereas Robert Yane's depiction is usually romantic or funny. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, it's like, so you're able to show all this horrible violence and everything, but not this game where you take funny dick pics. Right. I see. So there's, there's just like, as long as that, it's a very strange uh, conflict. Yeah. As long as that double standard is not there, um, I'm all for it. So I guess we'll see. Ah, hmm. uh, the classic roots of American par- puritanicalism, right there in a nutshell. It's all is that, bad. Is that... <laughs> You're not allowed to show the nutshell. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's funny. We um, I was actually speaking about this in relation to movies because, um, in most movies, if they do show nudity, they're very kind of scared about it, and usually it's. Uh, the female figure or like a guy's butt it's never like full-on frontal nudity and in a movie with uh chris pine it's getting a lot of attention because he gets full frontal nudity and he's uh, i won't i won't go into details but um point is that there's a lot of um attraction around it there's a lot of people talking about it because it's one of the most memorable things about the movie. Um, Mm. And people are wondering, you know, how does it fit into this kind of the way we talk about movies and the way we uh, rate movies and, you know, why we rate them the way we do. Like PG 13 that, you know, people are very scared of getting an NC 17 rating and stuff like that. So I definitely remember how hesitant people were to hand out like PG 13s and R's when I was younger. Yeah. So it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting how we're, even if it is kind of a, a touch and go kind of way, Valve is starting to slowly introduce these, uh, adult games into, uh, into their platform. And, Maybe we'll see more um, down the road. Catherine, full body is supposed to be coming out. Oh Lord, um, don't get me started on Catherine. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't. I promise I won't. But <laughs> but um, I mean, there's there, there's a example in and of itself. Catherine, when it first uh, released, was um, kind of spoken ill about on the, the uh lo- you know local and mainstream news about how it's so racy and you know it's very sexual and you should let your kids play this and you know things like that and so it, it's interesting to see steam take the step forward to uh allowing an indie i guess it's a dating sim adult visual novel yeah. um onto their platform uh, if there is nothing else to say about that, um, I can't think of anything. Okie dokie. Then we're going to start wrapping up the show. And to do so, we often ask our guests here at the Weekly Cooldown to send a recommendation into the world. What games should my listeners play? 
uh, what, or a- anything. It could be a board game, a video game, you know, what have you been having fun with that you think that my listeners should be playing? Let's start with Paul. Oh God, uh, <laughs> man. So, so honestly, I've, I've been mostly focusing on the mobile games, so I don't want to recommend Clash of Clans or Clash Royale to anybody ever in any context, <laughs> though. So uh, I'm just gonna go to my to my old standby and recommend that people play Nights into Dreams uh, if oh. you ever get the chance. I'm pretty sure I've recommended it on the show in the past, but it's my it's my go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a classic. It's it's a really fun game. Uh, it's it's got a really nice arcade vibe to it. Uh, as much as I gripe about the remake on Steam, it's still a relatively faithful remake of the game it's not it's not it's not the best but if you've never played nights into dreams you won't know any better so i definitely suggest if you get the chance pick it up on steam or whatever console you have <clears throat> but if 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 you if you really want the true nights into dreams experience either borrow a friend's sega saturn find one online i mean honestly if you get a sega saturn there's a lot of other great games for virtual fighter virtual cop fighters mega mix uh god daytona there's there's so many good games uh <laughs> but uh but nights into dreams in my mind is a game that everybody should play at least once it's got an amazing atmosphere the character designs are very fun uh the music is fantastic absolutely phenomenal and the story is 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 pretty bare bones but it it's the kind of game that when I was a kid really got my imagination going and made me think a lot more about the importance of dreams and how, how we, we handle dreams Mm -hmm. and how they, they feed into our lives and inspire us in certain ways. So especially, especially if you're a younger person, I would strongly suggest playing nights into dreams, but just give yourself some time to play it. It's like a two to three hour game. It's not a very long game. Play it with a controller. Don't play it with mouse and keyboard. I promise you won't have a good time, but, uh, it's 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 a fucking amazing game. Very very good. And Mello, what about you? Got two quick recommendations to buy and one recommendation to watch out for. Uh, obviously, Donut County at the start of the show. I talked about that. <laughs> I think that it just represents this weird feeling of like the PS2 game that this one friend of yours loves so much and tells everyone to play. <laughs> um, like a cult classic PS2 game. It feels like something out of time and it's so strange. It like tells a really good story um, about gentrification, actually, that hmm. you might not expect, but let, let that be your little kernel to I'm dig into. Yeah, yeah. Um, to dig into Donut County. And uh, also want to recommend that people go and check out Paratopic. It's a game that was re- uh, was originally released on Itch.io and is now on Steam as well. It's been the highest rated game on Itch.io all year and one wow. of the best selling. Um, it is a like ninety minute horror game experience with like PS one retro style. It is like a combination of the X Files and Twin Peaks. Um, it is just this really interesting experimental thing about like, hey, how much can you do with first person? And with exploring a world that cuts uh, from scene to scene as if you were playing a videotape. Um, And it's, I say that it's a horror game, but there's only like maybe one or two jumpy moments. And it's not really like one of those. It's more about the atmosphere and the creeping dread. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is like a thousand percent goals for me, like the kind of game I want to be a part of. Um, So I would definitely recommend that. And, Games that aren't out yet. Um, when I was at PAX, I played a game called Get in the Car Loser, 
which is being developed by Christine Love of <laughs> Lady Killer in a Bind um, fame. And it is a lesbian road trip JRPG. Wow. Um, it is extremely colorful. It has great music by my friend Crystal Lee. Um, and it's looking to be like one of the most exciting games, I think. It's seems to be coming out startlingly soon. I don't know if there's a release date, but they're ramping up really quickly. Um, and it's already available on Steam to wishlist. It's Get in the Car, Loser. I that just found sounds. a video of it on YouTube as a matter of just quick search and uh mm-hmm. i'm only i'm only seeing a scene of these three in a car driving down the road and just looking at these colors and they're talking to each other i love everything that i'm seeing in just this little 30 second clip that i've seen so far i, I, oh, I, I have to put that in the description that's right great i put, I put it, it in, our, in our private secret chat secret chat yeah it's it's one of the like the coolest looking games i've seen and yeah, it just seems like it's serving a lot of needs in the video game community. Right. It's very loud. It's very colorful. It doesn't give a fuck. Um, and it, the battle system is cool too. You know, as someone who's actually played it. Oh, it's like Amazing. a cool. It's like it's like a cooldown based uh, action RPG system almost. So so so. I'm yeah, it's almost like a Xena Gears or. It's, yeah, it's as active as like Xena Gears or Chrono Cross, where you're oh. inputting like chains of commands. I'm into Holy it. Shit. All right. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's I'm good. super into it. All right. I got to wrap this up because I got some other stuff to do. So that is all for the weekly cool down this week. Uh, Paul, where can people find you on the internet? Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Paul's Rock and Twit. Uh, I'm also on Tumblr somewhere. Look for those links on my Twitter. Um, outside of that, you can find me occasionally voice acting on the YouTube channel VO Nexus or Voxes for short, where I do Let's Read Homestuck, Let's Read Hundred Tail, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, outside of that, you may find me on Bandcamp at some point. I'm currently working on a project with my roommate Marcy called uh, Liquid Bewilderment. Our first album, Strange Plastics and Where, or I'm sorry, our first album, Plastics and Where to Recycle Them, should be coming out in February if everything goes well. If everything doesn't go well, we'll let you know. Great, uh, Mello. How about you? Uh, to mellowmakes.bandcamp.com is my link. Uh, Mellow without the W makes. And I uh, just released a rap album called Return of the Soul last month. And in October, October 2nd, I'm going to release a jazzy sci-fi drum and bass EP called Trunk Fiction. I'm so excited. Uh, amazing. Uh, you can amazing. talk to me on Twitter at Mellow Makes as well. Great. Absolutely great. As always, you can find me on Twitter as well at Commie Gaming. You can find the weekly cooldown on its own Twitter page at WK Cooldown. Uh, come follow me on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Commie Gaming, where every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I will be doing 8 p.m. 8.30. I will be doing a Resident Evil stream, uh, 20 weeks of Resident Evil leading, leading up to the re-release. Yeah, I'm crazy as hell. Re-release of Resident Evil 2 in January. Uh, you can also find the week cooldown on its own website, wkcooldown.com. Uh, check out the Patreon page. Check out the humble, uh, link in the description below. You can buy some really cool games off Humble Bundle, support a uh, charity, and support your boy Kami Jace. 
Uh, I think that's all the plugs I got for you today. That's all for the week. The cooldown. I got to go play Resident Evil Zero. We'll see you <laughs> next time, everyone. <laughs> Take care. Take it easy.